Hello and welcome to Ace Talk. Uh, my name is Mats and today we're joined by Vegard Flovik, VP of AI and Data Science here at Ace. Uh, hello Vegard, how's it going? Hey, great. Uh, excited to be here and talk about something that's uh, close to my heart, so AI. Yeah, it's good to have you. Uh, AI, like you say, is going to be the, the main topic of today. Uh, that's why we invited someone with AI and their actual title. Um, has it always been in your title, by the way, or how did that happen? Actually, it's been quite a long transition into AI. Uh, started in a quite different domain. Uh, so working as an automation technician with instrumentation and, and process control on uh, oil rigs offshore. So far from AI, but close to the domain where ACE is uh, operating. Um, but after that, I went back to university, always uh, been very fond of math and physics, uh, did a degree in, in physics, uh, worked with uh, yeah, nanoscience and computational physics for a few years, uh, had a short stint in, uh, in theoretical neuroscience, and so that's where it's from my sparked my interest to, to AI, working with uh, models for how our brain processes information. Uh, and that, of course, naturally led into AI and how we can use that in an industrial setting as well. So, so that's been my main occupation uh, for the past few years, trying to figure out how we can use these technologies to, to solve industry-relevant problems as well. Yeah. AI, of course, going from strength to strength uh, these days. Uh, when did it really like become a, a relevant concept in, in your mind? Like, is it long ago? Well, it depends uh, what you mean by long, but uh, for me, I would say when I sort of made that transition into AI, so that was around 2015, 2016, uh, it was really sort of when, when things started to, to kick off. And uh, if I look back now, like one the things that were state of the art back then, that's something you could do in like five minutes now. So it's, it's definitely been a big transition uh, for the past few years. And I think that development is uh, is accelerating going forward as well. What do you think caused that like acceleration over these last couple of years? One thing which is always one of the key factors for advancing AI is uh, computing power and access to data. I think both of these trends have sort of been a very strong exponential growth. Uh, and if we go back to the recent year, uh, I think like ChatGPT has been on uh, everybody's lips. So. I think the the key factor there is the sort of accessibility for 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 the layman. So mm. you don't need to have a tech degree to start experimenting with AI. You just need the interest and a web browser, and you're good to go. So just reach a point where people have started marketing it towards actual users and normal people. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, really. So I think this it's it's by far the the company that has the most rapid growth in users worldwide. So it's uh, it's been quite tremendous since they launched the first version less than a year ago. Yeah, uh, that's actually why I wanted to ask you. Uh, you recently wrote a, a great LinkedIn post uh, called "Does Apple Hate AI?" Uh, headline, who of course warned my old uh, tabloid heart um, about how Apple in its recent launch didn't talk that much about AI explicitly, uh, but a lot about product features that uh, are based on AI technology. I'm interested to hear uh, this product first approach to AI instead of an AI first approach. Uh, what do you mean by that? So although it, it might sound like a subtle difference, but it actually makes a, a huge difference in how they work with AI and tech in their companies. So if you started with AI first company, as an example, this could be companies like OpenAI. So the AI capabilities in itself is sort of the core functionality of the product. And then they start exploring how you can use that to solve different, different use cases. Whereas in a 
product first company, then you use, you focus on, on the user and what kind of problems you're solving with your product. And then you sort of look for what can enable technologies like AI uh, be used as a building block to, to actually achieve that goal. So it's a, it's a very different way of working where you focus on the product first and then you build the product to, to serve your users. And we're a product-first company here, here at Ace. So, so, so how does this affect our approach to AI technology? Yeah, as you say, that's that's very much the case. So, and I also think that this is a perhaps a better way of working, especially with uh, with new technologies like AI. It's it's very easy to become yet another buzzword company. Uh, so I really like that we focus on the product and, and how we build a product that sort of helps our users. But of course, we also use AI under the hood in our product, but we focus on what we can achieve using that to our users and, and not on sort of advancing state of the AI in itself. I can see some similarities here when you talk about buzzwords to the digital twin uh, concept and discussion. Is that sort of how we approach that one as well? Like, yeah, it is a digital twin or related to a digital twin, but what's actually going on is what problems we're solving. Yeah, I think that's uh, like defining what's a digital twin. That's also a never-ending discussion. Uh, but say from the from the AI perspective and how we work with that in Ace. Uh, so, so, so one example of being a sort of product-first company that uses AI. Uh, some of the use cases are never exposed to to a user. So from a user point of view, when they use the Ace product, they shouldn't need to care about what AI model is used to facilitate that experience. So going back to the case you mentioned of, of Apple in their press release, uh, I would say a typical user, they don't care much about if they use the latest AI model to, to do anything in, in their phone, but they, they want to have a new phone that can take better pictures than the old one. Uh, they can have sort of better sound quality when they call people. So focusing on, on how the user experienced that product. And that's also what we do here in A. So, when it comes to AI in Ace, there's sort of two different branches. Where one hand we use AI internally in our product to to sort of to improve that, uh, and the other one is the more customer. What does that mean? Uh, so one of the key things we do when we have a new customer is that we onboard their facility or their data to to our product, and of course doing that. If you can use tools to either speed up that onboarding process, or you can map out relevant relationships between different data points, that's obviously information that sort of facilitates new uses of the product for the user. Uh, so, so let's say one specific example is that we onboard a lot of structured and unstructured data from our customers, uh, things like uh, technical documents, uh, complex engineering drawings, and of course, having access to all of that data through ACE is, is one of the key selling points, but just having that data is not a value in itself. We need to tie together all these different data sources. And that's one of the areas where we use AI today. So as a domain expert looking at an engineering drawing, you can immediately understand what are the different objects, how are they connected to other data sources, how should I connect this valve I see in this drawing to a maintenance report from two weeks ago. But that's that's not obvious from the data itself. It have, you need someone to interpret that data, uh, and that's where we use AI to map out all these connections. So that's sort of a internal AI use case uh, in the ACE product. 
Yeah, and, and that's how we use it at the moment, uh, like in high level, broad perspective. Um, can, can you see some some uh, areas where we can exploit this even more in industrial software? Yeah, definitely. So if we talk more about the user facing type of applications, uh, like uh, we already mentioned, ChatGPT has become a, a big thing. And uh, one thing is sort of, I see a lot of potential for AI in ACE is how users interact with software products. So let's say we go back a couple of decades, typical way of interacting with software products was through a command line interface. So very efficient if you know what you're doing, but a very high barrier of entry. And then you moved into sort of the more typical graphical user interfaces. It was easier to use, uh, although there's a big spread in good and bad user interfaces. And I think especially in the context of uh, industrial software, there's been a more focus on features and functionality than user experience. Uh, but uh, I think we're moving in a, in a better direction now. But I think with sort of the, the possibilities of large language models and generative AI, it sort of represents a, a new way of interacting with software products through natural language. Mm. So, so in some sense, it's sort of a loop back to the old command line interface. But in this case, you just explain through natural language what you want to do. And then their agent or, or assistant takes care of, uh, of the rest. I like that. Yeah. So uh, Norway got a new um, digitalization minister uh, yesterday. Uh, I read that most, uh, made much of the reasoning behind was that um, this AI issue coming up. And of course, with the AI dominance uh, in the news and in, in tech, there's also some worries about uh, the potential downsides of implementing this technology fast without regulations. Um, do you see any like pitfalls or worries that we should take on here? Yeah, definitely. So in our domain, industrial setting, I think security and trust is a key issue. And uh, if it's one thing we've seen with, especially with generative AI is, so this concept of hallucinations where models can make up things, that's really a no-go in our industry. Yeah. Uh, and like, if you recall back this race of becoming first, this led to a, perhaps a bit premature release of AI functionality in Google with their famous press release. So I think it was in February this year where they released their Bard assistant, yeah. which made a mistake in their official press release, causing a hundred billion drop in, in market value for, uh, for Alphabet. So I think in the race to become first is, is very tempting with this new technology is just to jump on and, and do things fast. But Working in a safety critical discipline like we do, I think we need to be cautious and uh, be very much aware of the potential pitfalls as well. Mm. Have you been to think about that topic a lot? Since now you're like eight, nine years into this. Yeah, so that's a, that's a major concern, of course, because if you think about these models, they, well, they're improving a lot, but I wouldn't say they're smart. So. If you look back to the basics, uh, uh, a language model like this, the only thing it does is to predict the next word in a sentence, but it doesn't know anything more about the world than that. No. So let's say I, I give you the phrase, I woke up this morning and felt blank. So, so what would the next word be? That's a typical task for a language model. But what would you think? What's the next word? Uh, you have sick children, so I would say bad. <laughs> yeah, it could be. So, so that's the challenge we're facing. So there's many options that are valid and could be correct. But what sort of distinguishes that is that you need 
additional context to make that prediction. And that's the same in an industrial setting as well. Because these language models, they're trained on vast amount of online data, but they're not specific to the actual problem you're trying to solve with your model in, in an industrial setting. So let's say I give you the context that uh, yesterday I told you I was quite excited to be uh, joining this podcast today. Then perhaps that would increase the probability of the blank word I referred to would be excited or mm. great or nervous. I don't know. Uh, and that's the thing we're, we're also trying to solve in industrial uses of AI, that we need to give the models the right context. If you ask about sort of what was the main findings of our maintenance report of pump A, uh, then you want to make sure that it uses the maintenance report from, from that specific pump and not a different pump from a different customer or a different facility. Uh, so having this sort of traceability of of using the right information to solve your your question that's that's really key uh, for our type of uh, applications. Yeah, that sort of brings me to my my last question here because I actually asked ChatGPT uh, uh, yesterday um, to pick one question for you based on itself be a, uh, being an AI product, and uh, this is what it came up with: um, How can we strike the optimal balance between human expertise? and AI-driven insights in the energy sector to ensure that we maximize efficiency while preserving the essential human elements of intuition, ethics, and holistic understanding. Not a bad question. Quite a mouthful, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think there's, there's many important points uh, mentioned in that rather lengthy question. So yeah. You kind of answered it already, yeah. Yeah, so I think what's really key is that you still need to have a human in the loop in the way you design this system. So it's a, it's a more of an assistant than a, something that can run loose and done things uh, on itself, at least where we're at uh, so far. And you also mentioned like making sure that it has the right objectives, uh, ethics or sort of what, what you're trying to achieve. So let's say you defined a model to say optimize the production of your facility. Uh, so it can be a bit dangerous to give AI models very clearly defined goals like this without giving additional context or constraints. So you could risk uh, having an application that runs your facility at over max capacity with uh, risks of um, environmental dangers or running your equipment too hard so that it breaks down uh, sooner than it should. So for a human, this sort of is obvious and makes sense. But for computers, you need to be very specific in what you ask it because it's gonna do exactly what you tell it. Yeah. And, and that's not always uh, the best option. But I guess also as well, uh, every worry about new technology, that's an age old thing for humans, even with books, the internet. Um, do you think that this is different or do you think it's just another new thing that we're concerned about while we exploit it? I think it's uh, some of the concerns are valid, uh, definitely. Uh, but I think it's also a learning experience. When things are progressing so fast, it's really hard to catch up. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I think that that's one of the main issues that when things are changing too fast, it's it's hard for us to to adapt. Yeah, at least humans are not uh, surplus in ACE uh, yet. So um, I want to thank you, Vegard, for doing this really interesting talk. Okay. Uh, and thank you, Tom, for uh, producing as always. This has been Ace Talk, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Mm -hmm.